0: Praise the Lord. I like that song to be our prayer. Amen? Amen. And uh, uh, I shared about Tuesday Nights being spiritual warfare. Nice. L- let me tell you what happened before that. It was, um, I was watching uh, the news on, about Israel and different things like that. And I heard stories, I heard rumors and different things around beside the, what was going on that the IDF soldiers that were spread across the world were hopping on airplanes. People were giving up their seats. So the IDF soldiers could get on commercial airlines and fly back to Israel, and I'm listening to this and all this other stuff. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, "This is what I'm going to do in my church." He said, "We're bringing back people." He said to come back into the church, into the house of the Lord, and to stand up in a spiritual warfare and the things of this. That's what started all the Tuesday nights and everything else that we're doing. And uh, and, but now I've I've been a spiritual warfare proponent and different things like that for years, and uh, we we. We know how to bind and loose. I can bind and loose anything. <laughs> but what God has shown me in this hour is different. And I want to talk a little bit more about it this morning. He was showing me in Isaiah where Isaiah talks about our praise and that we give God praise, He begins to d- destroy the enemies. And it was our praise to God, not so much our focus on what the devil's doing, but our focus on who God is. And this is where the focus is right now. Well, I don't care what the devil's doing, who cares? When you see something happening in the world, it's already happened in the spirit realm. Because the world, the, What you see in the physical is just catching up to what's what's already happened in the spiritual realm. So what i like to look at, instead of looking at all the things in the world and how, how things are bad and all these other things, I want to shift over to what God is doing in the same hour. Because God is doing something in the heavenlies, that's causing the enemy to really have a fit. Amen. So when God begins, but I want to focus on what God is doing, on what he's moving in and where he's moving this day and this hour. Amen. And I want to stay relevant in what he's doing more than what the devil's doing. Amen. Amen. And uh, I've been around long enough in a no- number of years to see the devil, come, you know, he, he comes up with ideas that come and go, but God is eternal. Uh, and he's, a, and he's, his ideas always pan out for our best. <laughs> so uh, uh, this is an hour I know a lot of people are afraid and are this don't be. This is the time that we can get, look towards God and get our faith back, get our assurance back, but there's some there's some things we have to go back to before we can go forward. I want to talk this morning a little bit of my message. The title of my message is I got the, <laughs> I shared I shared a other story, but the, the the title of my message this morning is the, fr- the front lines of battle. Uh, when I first started the church here in Key West, I planted the church and started it here uh, back in 1990. So it would be 33 years ago. We started the church here. And it, as we're starting and becoming a new church, uh, it wasn't in this building, it was another building, but uh, rented buildings and everything we could do. Uh, I asked some of my colleagues and some friends of mine, that, would you come on down and, and, and want to minister with us and come in agreement? And, and when I first came here, God told me, He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to intercede for the city. I want your opening thing to be intercession for the city and begin to pray for people. And uh, we saw, he, said, he says, don't focus on what the enemy is doing. He said, but just begin to pray, and I'll lead you from there. He said, and, and we'll do different things. So our first thing was intercessory prayer, praying for the city and doing different things like that. That's how we got started. So I, I got my colleagues all together, the guys I knew and stuff like this, the friends that came down. And I let them preach, and we, we, uh, one was a music leader, and different things. We we did different things together, with the same idea I shared with them. I said, "This is what God showed me." We get up at six o'clock in the morning. I had a team that go out and we walk the streets, like Wall Street, before any of the drug addicts and uh, drug dealers were, were awake, <laughs> and walk the streets and begin to intercede. And oh, I got some story. I mean, there's some marvelous miracles that's happened in that, and that's how we started. And my one of my colleagues I forget who it was now but he said this, he made this, and this came back to my memory just this week. He says, said, he said, "Man, he says, you look around here, this is frontline ministry." Mm. And he said, on the front line, how many know in military terms what the front line means? Frontline Christianity is a little bit different than back of the line. <laughs> Christianity. In other words, you're up there where the heat of the battle is. And basically what they saw, my colleagues saw in Key West, this is, this is the heat of the battle right here. Of course, not, there's other cities like this, better or worse or whatever. But this is the place God has placed us and called us to. And so we, we embraced it that way and then just listened to God. So we started with intercessory prayer. We started pray, praying for people. I, started, I prayed for the mayor, prayed for different things like this. And God would show me things. In the same One time, I'll, I'll share one quick story with you. We were praying. I don't know if if you've ever seen Key West where the cruise docks are down about Maui Square. Uh, I had a team. uh, I think it was Elder Skip had a team. He went out different places. We would just take different sections and then the next week we'd change it up in different things. I had a a group with me, a team with me, and we were praying at the cruise ship docks and I saw something in the spirit. And I just started, I didn't uh, prophesy. I just prayed this way in decoration that this will be a stopping place for illegal drugs coming into the, into the city. Now we're at the cruise ship docks. So how many ever saw illegal drugs coming in uh, to the cruise ship docks? Boy, I had this story. Uh, later on, there was a woman in our group and she worked for the uh, uh, trolley, the you know, the, driving the trolley. You've seen the trolleys around town, the tour trolleys. And she calls me up and she says, Pastor, you're not going to believe it. She said, but there is, there is is uh, ATF, and there's FBI down here. They're all down here in Mallory Square. I says, I says, for what? They said, well, they, the guy was getting off the cruise ship, and he had a whole bunch of drugs, and, and, and he said it was the largest uh, uh, drug bust coming off a cruise ship in Key West. I said, well, ask them how they found out about it. <laughs> I thought maybe an angel or something, you know. They said, no, somebody called and gave him an anonymous tip. <laughs> so I said, Okay, (laughs) I know where we're going to pray next week, (laughs) you know, so, and different things like that, but over the years, it's, 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 but this, this is what we understand. God is bigger than any problem we have this morning. I want to say that right off the bat. God is bigger. How do we get the size of God and the immensity of God? How do we get him? uh, uh, I don't know if that's the right terminology. But how do we approach, I use that word, approach, how do we approach a God who's much bigger? And is there a, a protocol? And I'm going to tell you there is. And I'm going to share a protocol this morning with you on how to get into uh, what God actually invites us. And what He does, He gives us an invitation and invites us into His presence. And when He does that, He begins to change things that's connected to us, as it's, uh, heavy things that are on our hearts. Are you here this morning? Amen. All right, praise the Lord. This is where we're going. Now uh, I assure you the soldier on the front lines. He's got few things that he's concerned about. Basically, uh, don't get shot. Uh, uh, keep your head down. <laughs> in a foxhole. You know, uh, do I have enough ammo? Because one of the most, I mean, one of the most ridiculous catastrophes on the front line is to be there ready to fight and not have anything to fight with. Do I have enough ammo? And basically, um, um, where's my buddies, and where's the people around me? That's generally the front line mentality. If I translate that to a church, it says, "Okay, we're not. We uh, our ammo is what? Our ammo would be the Word of God, and uh, our release of that ammo would be the prayer and the word that we speak. And what's our concern? Where's our where's our counterpart? Where's our people? You know, uh, that are with us, behind us, in the bo- because we're putting our faith together. Where are they at? Amen." And keep your head down. In other words, don't be surprised when the devil tries to attack back. But understanding this, that God has made us overcomers. Yeah, right. Amen. So these are this is kind of the spiritual battle. So all right, what about the people on the back lines? Well, that's a little bit different. You see, if you're behind the lines, you don't have a whole lot to worry about. In the military, it's um, what movie are they showing at the mess hall tonight? <laughs> When's my next leave? Uh, it's a little bit different approach to. Uh, church and true Christianity. Praise the Lord. Not a whole lot of personal involvement. Just, uh, well, we're, we're trained, we're ready to go if, if the Lord ever needs us. He, he knows where to find us. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Type of thing. And what happens is, here's what happens behind the lines. We tend to protect that which we've already won. Right. Well, let me put it another way. We tend to spend most of our time protecting what God has already given us. Yes, and that becomes our world and our place of protection. However, a frontline mentality, we're not happy unless we're advancing. That's right. uh, I mean, nobody likes to be pinned down by the enemy. Nobody likes to be restricted from, from doing the things that God has laid on your heart. So basically, it's a different mentality we need to move forward and this is always behind us no we're moving forward we're doing what we're called and we're doing what we're purposed What God has purposed in our hearts we're moving forward this is a question Christians today are well maybe I'm just a, well maybe you need to change that's right Come on. and become a frontline Christian because this is what God is dealing with today and this is what he wants to do He's looking for people on the front lines. I already shared with you about Israel and what they're going through as far as a physical battle and they're having to go through. You know, root out the enemy and all this other stuff, and, and it's a nasty warfare when you have to go to house to house. And but the devil does the same kind of things with us. He hides things, and 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 we go from tunnel to tunnel in our life, spiritually speaking. And we try to root out those things. What if we did this? What if instead of trying to root out things that we need to fix, what if we went to God and say, God, we just submit ourselves to you? Amen. Amen. Now we rise up. Be a, it's a different type of fight. You're no longer trying to hunt out the terrorist who's trying to terrorize your spiritual life. Now you're becoming what God has called you to become, and now you're standing in the strength that He's already provided for that coming. Amen. Amen. So that's the difference of a frontline front Christian, a frontline chri- Christianity over uh, back of the line type of thing. Amen? Amen. Another thing on the front line, you're going to have something that God gives you all the time. Uh, every situation, every problem, every situation comes up, God's going to give it His grace. Keep those things in mind. I'm going to repeat these things a little bit uh, this morning. But what happens is, is, is we, are, we are in a battle. I don't know if you know if you're in a battle or not, but you are in a battle. Uh, because you gave your heart to the Lord doesn't mean the battle went away. That's right. You still have struggles, you still have everybody's the same. You're not an evil person because you have something to fight. Let me put that right at the front. Matter of fact, quite the opposite. Okay, the devil's trying to take out the holy. That's right. He's trying to take out the righteous. The people he already has, Talk about the devil. The people he already has, he don't have to bother with. That's right. They'll self-destruct. He don't. He can make a temptation over here, like he did in the garden. He tempted to eat over here, and then just walk away, and all of mankind begin to fall behind that. Behind that sin. That's how he works today. He said, "Well, the devil's on my back." Nah, you're not that important. <laughs> That's right. Come on, now. Nah. All he has to do is give you one thought. That's it. You run with a thought. <laughs> So what happens is Paul tells us to renew our minds to the truth. And that renewing of the mind stops that, stops that process. Wow. Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> how are we doing? I already mentioned. I already started preaching my message this morning when I talked about praise and worship. But uh, how many know David went from a shepherd, I sure, to a frontline person. amen. But he had to go to the frontline to become the king, to make the prophecy uh, uh, come true. Amen. So David had something to do. S- Samuel, a prophet, prophesied exactly what the heart of the Lord was and put it on David. He even took his horn of oil and poured it over him. Uh, in other words, a symbol of his anointing. He, God pulled his anointing off of Saul because he disobeyed. We know that. So David was the next one in line. But David had to wait until Saul was done doing what he was doing. Uh, this is the, the, the waiting part, but in that waiting part, guess who made David the king that he, David became? It wasn't Samuel, it was Saul. Right. We, we, and th- now, I know this is a hard part for me to preach too, but the fact is, this is the truth. Problems come our way. I don't care who you are, Christian, non Christian, you're going to have problems. Yes. Let's get that right out of the way. But the fact is, when you're in the world, problems can destroy you, or when you're in the kingdom, Problems can advance you, That's right. Come on. depending on how you deal with the problem. Come on. Amen. Amen? So is a problem that we're having today, whatever that may, personal problem, maybe all kinds of problems, are we going to let them destroy us? Or are we going to slingshot itself and l- cause them to grow us up and, to, and to, on, to obtain? Goliath to David was an obstacle more than it was a problem. I don't know how he figured that. <laughs> the guy had to be nuts. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. No, he looked at this big giant and says, okay, what will the king give the guy who takes out this guy? And he's already looking for a reward. Did you get that part? He's already looking for a reward. In other words, if I take this guy, is somebody going to give me something? <laughs> yeah, they're going to give you a whole bunch of something. The king will even give you his daughter. Uh, that he should have thought twice on. But anyway, praise the Lord. He went forth. He already had in his mind that Goliath was coming down. What did he have to go on? The same thing we have to go on today when we look at our problems. Are we looking at our problems and the size of them, or are we looking at our God and the size of him? If God only looks like a midget to you, I guess then you're gonna be stuck with problems. Because all your problems are gonna look bigger. But when we compare our problems to our God like David did Where's the reward? Come on. I'll be right back. <laughs> <I'll> be, giant? <laughs> this ain't nothing. I'll be right back. He was so wrapped up into his God and what his God could do. In comparing size, this is the key. I'll give you another example. How about Gideon? One of my fav- These are some of my favorite characters, but Gideon. Gideon comes from Manasseh. Remember the angel appeared to Gideon, told him what God wanted, and he had all the excuses. He had better excuses than Christians uh, today were excuses. <laughs> he says, can't be me. I come from Manasseh. Now, if you know anything about the tribes of Israel, I did teachings on this for a while ago, but uh, Manasseh was the least of the least. Why? Not, not the least as far as they owned the most land is in, in the promised land, but Manasseh were all farmers. There was no warriors. If Manasseh ran into trouble, they'd have to go to Ephraim because Ephraim's the one that had the warriors. In that neck of the woods, anyway. that area. So, so basically, but the, God didn't go to the warriors to free Israel. He went to the farmer to free Israel. So it looked like it was out of sorts. Why? Because God was determined he was going to get the glory for this thing. So Gideon did not have the credentials to take on the warfare that God was putting him in. He did not have the credentials. He didn't even have the... So Gideon reminded the angel, "Do you know who I am? Manasseh. Hey, we're farmers, okay? And I'm my family is the least of the tribe of Manasseh, and I'm least in my family, meaning the youngest. I'm, I'm the least in my family. So we got the least, of the least, of the least. How have ever saw a problem and felt like they're the least, of the least, of the least? Oh man, know, I'm going to get through this one. Oh man, I just want to hide someplace. And he's hiding out from the enemy so he can not starve his family." trying to thrash a little bit of wheat. You don't thrash wheat in a wine press. You squeeze grapes, but you don't thrash wheat. So how much wheat can you get? Because wheat, what they used to do is they, they would take it and they threw it up in the air. And then the wind would separate the seed from the shaft when it came down. And then they would take off the seed. And it's quite a big operation to do that. And they had other, other machinery to do that. He couldn't do that because it was in plain view. So hiding out, he had to go ahead and, and get just a morsel of bread. So God comes up to him with this plan. And, and he speaks to the angel. He says, he says, in other words, I'll just run, just run this right by you real quick. You're trying to get enough wheat to make a loaf of bread to feed your family. I'm trying to get a vision across to you to feed a nation. So when you're trying to feed your family, I'm trying to feed a nation and I'm going to do it with you. All of a sudden, the, the angel, I guess, convinced Gideon. He goes and he makes him a meal. I thought that was kind of nice. The angel touched it with a staff and <laughs> Really cool. But anyway, uh, and he goes back, and the first thing Gideon does... Make make notes of this Christian. The first thing Gideon does, he's got the call of God, he's accepted the call of God, now he's on his way to the purpose of God. He goes back to his village, and he tears down the altars of Baal. They were public altars there, public signs of a false god, and he tore it down. And the townspeople, which were Manassehites, they were, they were is- Israelis, had a fit and wanted to kill him so they could tell the, uh, the, the enemy that uh, we, we took care of the guy and we, we justice was served, your, your, your precious idols are saved. And his father steps in and he says, well, if Baal is so strong, let Baal speak for himself. And he left him alone. That's where it started. I love Gideon for this. He just didn't assume. He said, no, if we're going to serve God all wholeheartedly, let's do the whole thing the way it's supposed to be done. Let's get rid of the altars of Baal, anything that uh, hinders, and let's go out. Gideon's proud. He blows the shofar. 32,000 troops from other tribes coming together with him. He's got 32,000 men. He's marching towards the battlefield. He's, he's, he's feeling this is, this is a day, man. This is great. All of a sudden, God stops him. You know the story. And he says, anybody fearful, send them home. This is not the place for the fearful. By the time Gideon got done with God's testing, <laughs> now watch how they drink water. He went on with the whole thing. He has 300 troops left over out of 32,000. He's got 300 that he can take into battle. That's a that's a three regiments of 100 piece each that he can divide up, and with that he whipped the armies. Why? Because God was bigger than Gideon's force, and he says, "You're not gonna." He says, "I'm gonna make it so that you're gonna see that I'm bigger in this thing." And all God had to do was one whisper, and the enemy was in fear and turned sword against one another. Amen. So there's the possibility there's a David with the call who's the rightful king, but not filling fill the place. Uh, um, I don't know about you, but the scriptures do say that we're kings and priests unto him. So our rightful place is by, in the throne room. I'll get to that in a minute. In the throne room. I picked Gideon because Gideon is that self-image type of thing. You may not have a problem with what the Bible says. You may not have a problem with who God is, but you may have a problem with self-image then you, Gideon will minister to you. Amen? Because God isn't de- depending on yourself, your giftings, or your talents. He's depending on his, what he's called. Amen? Amen? Uh, I'm going to come to the last one, the third one I'll come to. These, these, these guys are my heroes. I don't care who you are. You've got to love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You've got to love them. Because they stood against Gideon. He had a conversion with the, with the angel. David, he had to take out one giant. Granted, I mean, it's a a good task. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three men who stood up against an entire nation. Actually, two nations, Israel and the Babylonians. Stood up against them. So he had to stand up against those people. And, And I love this because basically they will not bow to bow down to another god is to give in to the world or give in to the pressures uh, because you're afraid of something. That's right. So fear will cause you to bow to the wrong thing. Amen. And it says, we're not going to do it. These are friends of Daniel. So, but anyway, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we... Uh, uh, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Uh, verse 17 says, If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. Is that true? Okay. Uh, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. So there's our faith. We're blowing that if he would do something to us, God, no matter what it is, he's big enough to get us out of it. Well, it doesn't stop there. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. Verse 18 says, But, how many know, but in a sentence negates everything said before (laughs) it. But, if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set before us. So here's how it is We have determined we're not going to bow to you until your wishes. Our God is big enough and able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, We're still not bowing. We call that in the spiritual world, guys with backbone. I do. I I like these guys. I said, I preached this for years. I said, these guys got back. We need some Christians with some backbone. They say, no, we're not going to do it. I don't care. Well, yeah, well, then you're going to pay the penalty if you don't do it. Our God is able to deliver us from that. If he doesn't, all right, we're still not bowing. We'd rather burn than bow. It's okay, your wish. They went into the furnace. You would think God would come down on, the, on, on it and just push the furnace away or, or, or put out the fire or, or do something to destroy all that. No. They actually went in the furnace. Are you, anybody here, tonight, listen to me. They actually went in the furnace. <laughs> they said they would and they did. They said, yes, we don't care. We're not bowing. So if the penalty for not bowing is to burn, then we're going to burn. But we're not going to bow. That's right. Amen. We're not giving in. Okay. Oh, man, I tell you, give me a church full of these guys. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we're not bowing. We're not going to give in to the things of this world. We're not going to give in to what you want, king. You're not going to dictate to us who we're going to serve and worship. Amen. Why not? He did. The, now, you understand, they stood up against, not only against a the nation. They stood up against two nations. Because they were the only people in Israel that were standing up against the king. That means the rest of Israel bowed. So the popular thing was to bow. I I like what it said about Noah one time. I was looking on Facebook and it said, everybody ridiculed Noah until it rained. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) All of a sudden, the rain made the difference. (laughs) Well, here they put some those, those them in the furnace. And I love this. The king, he said, let's heat it up seven times hotter. Let's show everybody else here who's going to be the ruler here. Let's show everybody else here who's the big man on campus. Throw them in there. And he threw them in there. And they heated up this, no, the, the furnace was so hot that he even lapped up one of his soldiers. They threw him in there. And he's looking. He's looking into the midst of the fire inside that furnace. He says, how many guys we throw in there? Three. Well, I see four, and the king says, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. How does he know what the Son of God looks like? I don't know, but I guess no matter where you're at in this world, when he shows up, you're going to know it. And they came out, and their clothes never even smelled like smoke. Well, he told you that God was able to deliver us. But we're also prepared. What I'm understanding more and more about spiritual warfare is not what we think we can do. It's what God has commanded to do, and our responsibility in that command. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11. He said, the kingdom of God, he says, for the days, of, or let me start from verse 12. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Always had to wonder what that meant. Looked up the word violence. It means exactly what, it's, what it says. So, what what does he mean by the violence? How many know that each believer has a different assignment uh, corresponding to his or her unique gift? Each believer has an assignment, and that assignment, in other words, no matter what, since John the Baptist, what happened since John the Baptist? Well, since John the Baptist, Jesus was discovered of who he was, he wasn't revealed fully. Now, he was revealed somewhat. He wasn't revealed fully. The family knew. Some other friend, but when he came up out of the waters of baptism, he was revealed fully. <laughs> I say this whenever I baptize people. I say, this, this is what baptism is. Forget what you've been told. But this is what the Bible says it is. It's identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's your identity. Yes. Now your identity is about to change. Yes. Come on. Amen? And this is what Jesus was showing us. Our identity... With, is in Christ. His, Jesus revealed his identity as a Savior. And then I learned something else. When he came out of the waters of baptism, this is cool. He went into the will. He fasted for 40 days. Then The devil's always going to come around when you're weakest. Came around, thought Jesus was pretty weak. Went to tempt him. He said this. He says, if you be the Son of God, turn these rocks into loaves of bread. What did he attack? Well, let me take you back to the garden when he talked to Eve. Has God really said? Question mark. Yeah. If you be the son, yeah. Here's the cool part. He takes. We got the rocks to bread. We got the pinnacle of the temple. We got bow down to worship me, and then we got nothing. Jesus refuted every one of those things with a word. Satan used the word out of Deuteronomy. He used the word, every one of those things, but the word to the word. The word rebuttaled the word three times and the devil had to leave. Jesus didn't cast him out. That's right. He had to leave. Why? Because he doesn't have the same strength. You see, when we become Christians and become Christ, our source of strength is not within us, what we can come up with. Our source of strength is with our, our Father. As long as we have that spiritual connection with the Lord, we have strength beyond means and beyond years. Thank God, I'm 72, I'm still feeling good. <laughs> but anyway, so we have, we have spiritual strength in those things. Cut God off our source, Satan was Lucifer, kicked out of heaven, fell to the earth, he doesn't have a source of strength anymore. He can't tap into what the Father. The Father's unlimited and gives us the Father. Understand something. Satan is not the evil equal of God. That's right. Never has been. If anything, he's the evil equal to Michael, the archangel, but not God. Come on. So, what, so why, I, I was sharing this this week with some of our people. I said, well, so why is the devil still here? Why didn't God just snuff him out? Good question. That's a very good question. How many would we like a good answer? good. Come back next week. No, I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, No, what happens? God desires to co-labor with us. Religion, you know the guys behind the lines have taught you, just protect this little ground. You don't need to know anything else, but protect this ground right here. They told you, well, let God and let go. uh, Whatever God wants you to, by the way, God never said that. Let God and let go. Amen? Just follow your heart. Jesus never said that either. He said, your heart's evil and wicked and deceiving. He never said that either. So while we're protecting this one little spot, we're missing all of what the front line is doing out here, and we're missing all this. We just learned, Jesus just showed us, I just showed you how to beat the devil his own game. Wear him out. He's wearing you out. You should be wearing him out. He should be sick of listening to your prayers. He should be sick of listening. I'm talking about the devil now. He should be sick of listening to your praise to God. He should be sick of listening to your thanksgiving. Oh, I'm going to get into that one in a minute. That's a powerful word. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Are we helping anybody this morning? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. The giftings and the assignments... As we go and we grab a hold of the kingdom, and trust me, in this day and hour, I'm grabbing a hold of the kingdom with everything within me. That's the violence he's talking about. We're seizing it, and Jesus couldn't be happier over it. That's right. Why? Because why, what was the earmark of John the Baptist to hear? Jesus was here, recognized, a- acknowledged by the Father. The kingdom started to be here right now. Remember what the Lord's Prayer was? We called it the Lord's Prayer, but I don't think it was the Lord's Prayer because it was sin involved. He wouldn't know sin anyway, no trespasses for him. But anyway, it says, Your your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Amen. That's when it began. Come on. So the kingdom is a real thing. It's really here, and we're part of it. Yes, you got dual citizenship if you're an American. Amen. I got an American passport, and I belong to the kingdom. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Kingdom of God is right here. Praise the Lord. This is what God has shown me this, this week. Um, guys, keep track of my time. I forgot to hit my Apple Watch. Good time. <laughs> Come on. I want to be respectful of everybody's time. All right, praise the Lord. Anyway, it says, it says uh, I, I got looking at this. Thanksgiving, I, I put this in my, my notes. Thanksgiving as a, type, as, um, uh, as a weapon. And weapon of war. So we're talking about spiritual warfare. And I got thinking about this. And of course, one of my favorite verses, I've opened up the church service on this thing whenever I get a chance to open for the last 33 years on this verse of scripture. And it's Psalms 100, verse 4. And Psalms 100 says, Enter his gates, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. How many know that? Okay, just, that's all you got to remember. I'll, I'll get to the rest of it in a minute. Uh, but in 1 Thessalonians, this is what I'm going to start to read. 1 Thessalonians, verse 5, verse. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Rejoice always. Okay. Uh, uh, next verse. That's, that's one verse, by the way. That's verse, yeah. That's verse 16. Rejoice always. Amen. That's the verse. This going got to be the shortest verse in the Bible. Rejoice always. Oh, here's the next verse. Pray without ceasing. Next verse says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of the Lord, This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So I'll read the whole thing again. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. This is the will of the Lord for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Amen. Amen. And what was the other thing? Give thanks. Giving thanks for What? Now, whenever I mention this to somebody who doesn't know God, they'll say, well, what am I supposed to be thankful for? Am I supposed to be thankful for the time that, 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 that uh, uh, my daughter was killed? Well, am I supposed to be thankful for the time this has happened? Might I supposed to be thankful for this? What am I supposed to be thankful for? Understand something? Never in the scriptures was it ever, ever mentioned, that's the, you know, behind the lines crowd. Never was it ever said, be thankful for what the devil has just done. To still kill, and destroy. Never are we supposed to rejoice in that. Well, what is it then, Pastor? I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Amen. Thanksgiving now, when we come to the Lord, he puts his grace on all those catastrophes and bad things that have happened to us. And he delivers them from us. If we do not, if we refuse anything we refuse for his thanksgiving, The grace is kept from that particular situation. Why do you keep going through the same thing over and over and over again? Why do you have the same problem over and over again? How come the same habit over and over and over again? Thank you. I'll tell you why. Because we haven't gone to him in thanksgiving. We're not thanking God for something. We're thanking God for who he is. We're not thanking what the devil has still killed or destroyed, Jesus said, because that's the only reason the devil comes. John 10, 10. But to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus, I came to give you life and life more abundant. You've got to understand something. A sovereign God has said this to us, his people. I want to co-labor with you. Any man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom, Jesus said. Well, whose hand is on the plow? Not God's, yours. Amen. Now I take those things that were hurting and the catastrophes and the loss. Now, Lord, how do I handle this thing? How, how do I deal with this? And He says, Come into my gates with thanksgiving and my courts with praise. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll get to that in a minute. He says, well, how, do I, how do I handle this thing? He says, Come to me and see me as being able to sanctify all things that have come against you. All things that hurt you. And when we do that, God re- fills us with His grace over those circumstances. And we, we, can, we can bear those circumstances. We're not thanking God for those losses ever. That's stupid. The frontline people know that we have a weapon. The frontline people, Gates, Gates. I did a teaching on Gates a while ago. Gates, Gates. I have a, a yard at home, you know, live over here on Flagler Avenue, get a yard and it has a wall around the whole property. Uh, good walls make good, good neighbors. Anyway, <laughs> it came that way, I bought the house, it has a big stone wall around it and there's two great big gates. So if I use those gates for an example, I have to open them and there's, there's a gate and it comes out onto Flagler Avenue, there's a sidewalk there. If I'm stepping on my grass here and I open up the gates, the gates swing in. And if I step out here, I'm no longer on my property. I'm in, I'm in Key West. I'm in Flag Avenue. But as far as the law is concerned, everything inside this wall, and including the easement, that's another thing, uh, is, is my, under my control, my authority. Are you here? Yes. As long as I'm out here, I'm in my control, my authority. When I step from here into his gates, I'm now in his realm. Now, God understands something. God does not need walls. He doesn't need gates. He put that in so we could understand that gates are nothing more than a transition of reality. So I step from, I'll get back to my property. If I'm standing here on my grass, this is my property. my garage, my bees, This it, (laughs) Diane's bees. They were ugly this week, so they're herpes. Anyway, uh, this is uh, this this is my dom- this is my domain. This is where I live. If I step out here, this is not my. I do not own the sidewalk. I do not own the curb. I do not own Flagler Avenue. This is public. So the transition from this side to this side is a transition of reality. It's a change of reality. It's a different reality. Here, this reality is morning. Over here, this is reality. This is a city. A year. When God says, enter my gates with thanksgiving, come into my gates with thanksgiving, and my courts with praise, what he's saying, I'll get to praise in a minute. let me just focus on thanksgiving. The only way we can cross over from this reality in which we live into God's reality where he is, is through Thanksgiving. When we do that, he can baptize every situation that we have that has come against us, that is hurting us. We still live in a fallen world. I don't care what you say. We still live in a fallen world. But when we can do that, through thanksgiving, come into God's presence in his realm, he'll baptize that with grace, and now we can go back out with the strength, and it will not drive you crazy, nuts, or, or, or anything else. Amen. Not only that... He now is able to go into that situation and sanctify it on our behalf. Amen. Refuse to do that. And you take it on yourself. And what follows that is depression. Uh, well, you can people have lost their minds over losing loved ones or whatever the catastrophe is. It might not even be that severe. It may just be a, a job or whatever, so on and so forth. And, it, the, the, you know, you, you live problems. You we know, have situations. It may not be anything really, terrible, but hallelujah. I get to come and I get to come in church and I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to get into praise. We've got a good praise team here. We're going to praise. and I'm going to walk from this reality into this reality. Now I'm in the presence of God. He mentions two things. Are you ready for this? Thanksgiving is acknowledging who God is, what it's about. This is, the, this is the element, the missing element of spiritual warfare we don't see because it's just being thankful. This is an important mixture. This is as important as the Word of God. This, uh, this is important as, as, as binding and loosening. This is important of all these things. It's Thanksgiving because this connects us to the source and Jesus showed us how to do that. John chapter 6 was a, a, uh, I brought it down here. Um, anyway, I'll, do, yeah. I'll tell you from memory. The, remember when Jesus said, "Feed the 5,000?" And he says, "You guys feed them. We have no food. We all have no food? That's 5, That's just 5,000 men. It could be many as 15,000. we count women and children. We have no food. He said, "Give me what you have." Loaves and fishes. A couple of few loaves and a few fishes. What happens? They give them to Jesus. What does Jesus do with it? He's shown us what to do. Jesus has shown us how to do this. If we just look, He lifts them up and He gives thanks Amen. to the Father. What's He giving thanks for? He's giving thanks for a food shortage. Amen. He's giving thanks for lack of groceries, is what He's giving thanks for. He's giving thanks for something we don't have enough of. Amen. We know we need more, Lord. Give us more. We don't have enough food. takes it and gives us thanks. He takes it down. The food has no change at this point. He hands it back to the disciples. What happens to the disciples? The disciples now become co laborers with what God has created them to do, and they begin to pass it out. Lo and behold, as they do this under command of God, this is not their idea. Their idea was to send them away. We ain't got what you need. And he passed it out, and they're passing out, passing out, and they say, Holy smokes, we fed everybody. Matter of fact, there's some left over. Well, how many baskets have you got left over? 12. How many disciples are there? 12. One basket was three days' rations. Jesus not only took care of the need there, he took care of the disciples' need for the next three days. Because they're going to need that as they followed him. What did he start with? Not enough. Food shortage? Amen. Thanking God. Are you thanking God for the food shortage? No. You're thanking God because he is the provider. You're showing him this is what we got. This is the physical thing we give thanks for. And Gus has got it and begins to multiply it. Amen. If we go to God complaining like we normally do, is this all you got to give us? Is this all we're going to do? Guess what you're going to wind up with? Loaves and fishes. Oh, man, I got more notes and I got time to preach. Amen? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll get this next week. Uh, <laughs> praise the right, let me, Lord. Let me, let me wrap it up with this. because I want to show you something. There's an attitude in the world, and Paul prophesied this. It's in 1 Timothy and it's in 2 Timothy. He prophesied it twice. Let me go ahead. I'll just read the one. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is, the, this is what Paul is talking about, the end times. Listen to this, this list of characters that he says are going to be prevalent in this time we live in now. I believe it's this time we're living in right now. And he says this in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. I think so. Okay. For men shall be lovers of themselves. Uh-huh. Lovers of money. Uh-huh. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and get this, unthankful. Oh, this doesn't stop. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Slanderers, without self-control. Brutal, despisers of good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty. Lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Uh Uh-huh. Look at this, number five, uh, uh, verse five. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such people, stay away. Why? Why? Because God has given us the power for miracles, whether you ever saw your first miracle or not, it still is part of the mandate. Nobody, nobody through history and nobody today has the right to cancel God's mandate. That's his assignment. Lay hands on the sick, Jesus said. Go out in all the world, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. uh, Lay hands, cast out devils, and they'll be gone. Whether you ever see a devil being cast out, or whether you ever see a miracle, it does not give you the right to cancel the assignment. When we have to uh, balance our understanding with something, the scriptures are the ones that suffer for it. And of course, faith is the next thing that suffers after that. Help me by this morning. OK? Now look, I said there's two. I said second, or first, that's, that was second, Timothy. I just read to you. 1 Timothy, says, in chapter 4, says, "...forbidding to marriage," this same, the same group of people, "...forgetting to marriage, commanding to abstain from foods which God has created to, uh, to be received with thanksgiving." Listen to this. "...with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving." If there's the if again, if is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word, God in prayer when we give thanks. Amen. Amen. It's not just thanking God for something; it is using the thank you has enough power within that thanking of God to sanctify food that would normally wouldn't even be covered, let alone. This, now, this is Paul speaking, who was a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee, an Orthodox Jew. Now, he's telling you, you can eat everything. What was that scripture I read in the war room? Romans chapter 14, 2? Yeah. What, what was it, Jennifer? 42. Okay. What did, what did it say? <laughs> you, got, you got an extra minute? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to pull somebody's chain. <laughs> There you go. He may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. <laughs> okay. What does it say? So people don't think it, people think I make this stuff up. Okay. Romans 14.2. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Hallelujah. <laughs> God is condemning every vegetarian. No, he's not. <laughs> I, I do that on purpose. If I put it back in context, what he's talking about, he's talking about meat given to idols and so on and so forth. Now he also, Paul also says, he says, don't eat anything that's going to cause somebody else to be a stumbling block. Right. So I, but I, I, just, I just like to re- see the reaction when somebody <laughs> reads that. <laughs> you eat vegetables, you're weak. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. I got more, but I got to stop sometime today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. My point that i trying to get across was, let's come into thanksgiving and begin to get our problems and stuff sanctified. The idea that God is a sovereign God is absolutely true. He is a sovereign God. But a sovereign God has changed it to co-labor with his people. So that's why our thanksgiving means something, our praise means something reading the Word and studying the Word means something, going to church and coming together means something, because God uses those things to work for us and through us. Another thing, we don't have control over the world, but we are serving on the front lines in this church. Amen? Amen. Amen. On the front lines, we're only concerned about a few things. How's our brother and sister doing? we got enough ammo. Okay, now, if we have enough ammo... That means we are constantly in connection with God, not like Satan ran out of steam. Amen. Three, three temptations, he was done. He came back, but he ran out of steam. He had nothing more. Jesus refuted all three. He, he had nothing more. Jesus could keep on going all day long. He was the Word. Can you imagine coming to the Word with the Word and trying to have one on the Word with the Word? The Word that became flesh. Jesus was the Word. Can't be too smart. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. How many got something out of the message this morning? (laughs) Let's stand to our feet. Father, I thank you for every frontline Christian in this place this morning. You know who I'm talking about. The ones that are going through different situations and problems and things. We're all going through problems, but Lord, the ones that are looking for the end, looking for the victory, I'll put it that way. For all those that are looking for victory. And advancement. Here's the thing about frontline Christians. I don't know if I said this or not, but they're not satisfied unless they're advancing. That's right. The number one characteristic of a frontline Christian is one that's not satisfied unless they themselves are advancing. That's right. The behind-the-lines crowd could care less. We're just, pr- pr- we're just taking care of this little ground here. We've taken care of it for two thousand years. We don't care. We'll just keep on taking care of it. But a front-line Christian, that doesn't, that's not, there's got to be more than that to it. There's more than that to it. I've got to be advancing. I've got to be growing. I've got to be understanding. I've got to be more revelation. Give us more revelation, God. More revelation. <laughs> Give us, eh, why? Because we're, we're taking these things and we're applying them to life and we're moving forward. The Word isn't just something we get in theology. The Word is something that we apply to living and it has power to it when we connect through thanksgiving. That's just one part. Praise. I didn't give you the definition for praise. Let me give it to you now. The definition for praise is we are praising God for who He is, His character, and how big He is. Our thanksgiving brings us into His presence and our praise acknowledges He's bigger than all our problems. Put the two of them together and you're about to stomp the devil into the ground, because he's supposed to be under your feet anyway, I don't know what he's doing up around your neck, he's supposed to be under your feet, amen, amen. get him off your back, get him off your neck, not get him under your feet, amen. but this is for, this message is for Christians that either want to be on front lines, or are front lines already, to encourage the ones on front lines, you want to move up to the front line, hallelujah, hang on your shirt, this is going to be a ride, <laughs> because if you don't, it doesn't take a genius to look at the world. Guys are coming up with all kinds of theories, looking at the world, looking at Israel. I always said, focus on Israel if you want to see what's going on in the world. That's the the only land that God ever give to any people. Israel, that's it. They have more legal rights there. But I don't know if you were surprised, but I was surprised on all the anti-Semitism that's going on. Hey, from groups you wouldn't expect. Just a few months ago, they were talking woke. And now they're talking Annihilation. How do you switch from one thing to another? The devil will always make a fool out of you. That's right. That's his job. He'll make a fool out of you. Praise the Lord if you let him. But we we'll talk about frontline Christians. Amen. Pray for. It says in Psalms, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel. That's a command. It's not a testimony. It's not a promise. It's a command. That's what we're commanded to do as Christians. Frontline Christians understand that. Praise the Lord. All right. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Everyone here this morning that heard the truth in their own way. I say that God, sometimes I'll, I'll say something, but God will anoint the ears that hear something different that he's trying to minister to. We, that's okay. Lord, in the name of Jesus, wherever the ears are anointed to listen to your word. Father, we just praise you this morning. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now we pray that it gets done. Amen. Lord, help us to be better <laughs> At cooperating with yeah. you not trying to get you to cooperate with us that's right. backwards but us to cooperate with you in jesus name we give you the praise and all the church said amen. hallelujah god bless you amen um, if anybody for any reason what's